0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friday, October the 25th, here on When I Rise. We're in year C, proper 25, or the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. And today, as we normally do on Fridays, we will look at the gospel text for the week, which is Luke 18. 9 through 14, another parable of Jesus as he's making his way through that boundary line of Galilee and Samaria, making his trek towards Jerusalem. And so we'll cover that parable this morning. We will talk about some reflection pieces from it. And then we'll pray about some of the themes from that passage. We'll do that this morning on Friday morning on When I Rise. Luke 18:9 through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "God, I thank you that I am not like other people—robbers, evildoers, adulterers—or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get." But the tax collector stood at a distance. He cannot even look up into heaven. But beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for us. Let me share just a couple thoughts about this interesting parable from Luke chapter 18, and then we'll spend some time praying. First, it's just worth noting, once again, that when Luke mentions a parable, it is always a go and do likewise uh, type of a teaching. Uh, unlike Matthew, unlike Mark, we've talked about that the last few weeks. But Jesus wants you to hear this teaching and to put it into practice. You'll see that with the punchline at the end. Where he says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so there's a, a to-do here. But what's peculiar about this parable is that this is the only parable that Jesus shares in all of his teaching in a religious setting. Uh, a parable is something where two things are compared side by side with one another. It literally means to lay two things down next to one another. And so normally Jesus wants to talk about A, but he uses Uh, Like an image or an illustration of B in order to make the point of point A. And they're totally different from one another. Like the kingdom of heaven is like a net full of fish that was caught in the ocean one day, right? So there's two different things. Um, Here, this is interesting. He actually uses a religious setting to talk about a religious idea. And perhaps what is in Jesus' mind is not more, when he wants to talk about hubris and about pride and about exalting oneself, he's like, perhaps there is no context more provocative, and more normative or where someone ex- exalts themselves than in a religious setting. So I think Jesus wanted to use another setting perhaps in order to talk about religious pride. But he's like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and talk about it right in the context where we see it. So he has an image of a couple of people who go to pray. One is... Uh, the hero of the religious community is a Pharisee and he prays loud prayers and people would have enjoyed his prayers. And he does sacrifice. He fasts. He gives of his money. And he is distinct from other people in their community that maybe aren't so religious or maybe who struggle in their spiritual life. But then right next to him he puts a tax collector who doesn't even look up to heaven because he's aware of his own sin. He beats his breast because he's mad at himself for the mistakes that he has made. And he simply pleads for mercy, and so Jesus gives his punchline here, that it's the, the the tax collector who's aware of his own shortcomings who goes home justified, than the person who claims to have much religious uh, pride. So, what can we say about this? Um, what I think what's interesting about this parable is that note number one is that no one gets what they deserve in this parable. Uh, this is a, a parable about grace. Uh, On the one hand, you would expect that all this religious effort that the Pharisees putting in would yield a result of um, religious blessing, but it doesn't. And the person who struggles in his faith should receive punishment from God, who is holy and sees all things, but he receives justification and grace. So, note number one is that no one gets what they deserve in this parable. And number two is this. That even though we would love to throw insults at the Pharisee because we all have met people just like the Pharisee in our life, this teaching does not allow us to point the finger at the Pharisee. One shouldn't insult the Pharisee or point the finger at him because we're doing the exact same thing that the Pharisee is doing in the parable itself, so this is not a teaching of saying all those who are lowly and uh, poor in spirit um, are able to be lifted up in praise now, and we get to point the finger at those who are mean-spirited and judgmental. No Jesus is saying this judgmental comparison game doesn't just lie in those who are call themselves religiously elite; it also lies in us. Who are bothered by these religious types we point the finger as well and so ultimately this is a parable about grace God extends grace to the humble but he opposes the proud now let's just let's just take a step back about that for a second because I think if you've been in church long enough I've been in church long enough we celebrate this gracious economy that we hear in the gospel but let's ask the question fresh and new once again Are we ready for this economy? Do we really want this economy? Because we like to get what we deserve, especially when we excel in something. We wanna have our hand raised in the air when we give the extra effort. But what we see is that grace makes life unfair. And so if we wanna be beneficiaries of this grace where God's kindness is extended to us even though we don't deserve it, we have to be open and it has to be acceptable that others who don't quite deserve it receive it as well and we cannot pick and choose for God's sake of who receives it and who it gets denied to and so that is something important for us to consider and so may we pray this morning about the topic of grace may we have a fresh encounter with it for our own lives but may we also ask God to keep us lowly in the midst of grace that he might extend it to many more people than we're even comfortable with right now. So let's allow the economy of grace to fully take root in our hearts so that it can fully be taken root into the world around us. So let's spend some time praying this morning. Lord God, we thank you that we've reached the end of a work week, of a school week, and we face this day with gratitude in our hearts because we've made it. We've we've been able to get through tests and exams. We've been able to uh, get through work tasks. We've been able to encounter those even surprising tasks that we've been given this week. We've been able to check through the task list. We look back and we say that much has been done this week because of your grace extended to us. God, we thank you for the gospel this morning. We thank you for this unique teaching of Jesus which tells us that God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And just as we think that we've figured that out and we know what that means for us and for the world around us, we are challenged once again to think further and allow this grace to extend farther and deeper, go deeper than we could ever have imagined. So we have two requests this morning, Heavenly Father. Number one, God, we pray that you would allow us to know grace fresh and new this morning. We think that the Bible tells us that we grow in grace. So God, maybe there'll be a growth and a flourishing of grace in our own life. And we understand that it's not because of our own deeds or actions that have caused us to be accepted by you, but you accept us because you're a gracious God. And so we pray that that would bathe over us once again, that our souls uh, would, would uh, simply soar and be thrilled once again with that confession that if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, thank you that you've brought us into your family. We got our second request this morning is to give us gracious eyes and gracious imaginations, Because, God, I think we're tempted to say these folks deserve grace and these folks do not deserve grace. God, if it's extended to us who don't deserve it, then we shouldn't put stipulations on others around us. So, God, allow us to receive the fully-orbed, gracious economy. Allow us to know that those around us, even whom that we're bothered by, that we're irritated by, that we're disappointed in, that they are in the boundary lines of extending grace. So, God, allow us to see the world the way you see it. Give us the love that you have for the world around us. So that we can relish the full nature of what it means to be in the midst of God's grace. So God, speak to us once again. Give us great patience with somebody today. Give us a great joy with maybe someone who's been irritable in our lives uh, so far. May we have this, may we have this uh, steady supply of uh, patience with them. And may we find ways to be fond of them and to consider them a gift for our lives. Because every good and perfect gift comes from you. So the God of grace, the God of truth, Allow us to know your grace fresh and new this morning. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.